You guys may be seated in the house today. Say hi to somebody on your way down today. Say what's up to somebody on your way down. Tell them Merry Christmas. Tell them their Christmas outfit looks a little better than their normal. So throw it out there for you, right? So good to have everybody on Christmas services here at Pearl Street Church. Man, our heart is that um, we're praying and believing that you have a, an amazing Christmas with your family, with your friends. Um, you know, this year and the past couple of years have been really challenging, been a struggle. Uh, you know, variables that have been in place has been separating people, all these things. But I pray that this is a season where maybe we are beyond that. That's my heart, I hope. We are beyond that, that we can get back to a life in relationship with each other, relationship and connection with our families. We're praying that it's just an incredible Christmas year for you. One that has lifelong memories, not necessarily one that you get all that you want, just that you get all you need, you know, all of that stuff, right? You don't get everything you want. You can't live with all that, but you get exactly what you need and you can be content here today inside of your life. That's our heart as a church and uh, it's good to have you. We are in a series because he was born and you know, the reality is because Jesus was born, it's everything has changed. The world has changed. History has been changed because of this one man that showed up. We know him to be God, man here on this earth, right? Born into brokenness, but have illuminated a dark light. The prophecy of Isaiah 9 echoed in Mark, Matthew chapter 4 was the Savior would be born, right? And into the darkness, a light would shine. And that's exactly what has happened through the life of Jesus Christ. A life uh, a light has shone right here into the darkness of this world. Now, uh, I'm just going to jump into today. We're going to rock and roll. We got three more services going down today or two more services going down today. So buckle up, buttercup, and let's go. <laughs> today, we're going to talk about a hope-filled, the hope-filled Christmas story. And I'm just going to bring up four different stories that are part of the Christmas narrative and bring some hope to maybe your journey in which you're living in here today, right? It's just a unique way we're going to go about it. So Buckle up, grab some notes, take them today, and maybe you can be encouraged. Now, how many of you guys have ever been in a place in your life where you have been scared out of your mind? Cir circumstance scenario, you're just living, unexpected, bam, something happens, you're like, ah, you've been there, right? We, I think we all have. A um, couple, couple months ago now, I typically, I run typically right about 6 a.m. every single morning, not every single, sorry. Let me tell you, every single morning, obviously, right? <laughs> Most mornings I'm running at 6 a.m., right? I'll do the spiritual stuff 5 to 6. I do the physical stuff 6 to 7. I do the daddy stuff 7 to 8.30, right? That's my life. And, and so I, I walk out, and it's a very normal day for me. I'm walking out of our garage and got the clickers and click it off, and I'm walking around my wife's vehicle, and all of a sudden, uh, this large creature comes running at me from around my wife's vehicle. So I'm just walking normal, leisure, I'm about to get my run on, and I'm like, ah, you know, that whole thing, right? You've been scared like that before. It's, ah, you know, you think your life is over, all that stuff, <laughs> right? That was me at that exact moment in time. Now, here's the deal about moments like that. Nothing prepares you for it. And here's the deal. In the middle of it, you don't necessarily know what happened until you think about later, right? You think about later and you're like, what, how did that, what was that that came out of me? Why, why did I say that? Why did I sound like that, right? Like, <laughs> now here's the deal. 
It just so happens on the other end of this leash where this creature, this German shepherd that looked like a wolf that I thought was gonna attack me, was a gentleman that used to come to our church that brought even more shame to my life right there because I'm like, I'm thinking about it in this moment, he's looking at me and he's got a look on his face like, I've always knew you were a chump. Like he's kind of like, 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 what's the big deal? I'm like, I almost died, okay, hello. Obviously werewolf right here. But you can look back on the moment and think like, what in the world happened, right? You've been there with your friends, like something unexpected happened and somebody freaks out. And it's always hilarious when you look back and you're like, did you even know what you said? Like, that was hilarious. Why would you even say something like that, right? But we have moments like this inside of life. We can get scared half to death. And now the funny thing is you can look into the Christmas story and something very similar is going on. You know, you think about the shepherds, they're in the middle of a field, in the middle of the night, and what happens? An angel of the Lord shows up. A very interesting thing goes down. And I just wanna, I'm gonna read some uh, out of Luke today, and I'm just gonna keep it kind of traditional in the readings, and we'll pull the hope out. But it says this in Luke chapters two. It says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. What is the next part? They were terrified, okay? They sounded like me screaming, thinking there was a werewolf, okay? <laughs> Or a wolf. I don't even know what a, a werewolf is a human thing. Okay, wolf. We'll say wolf. I'm not into all the Marvel stuff, so I don't know, okay? Everybody's like, Wolverine, duh, werewolf, hello. Um, Twilight, duh. Never watched one of them, FYI, okay? Not into it. But they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to what? All people. I got some good news for you. It's gonna bring great joy and it's gonna bring it to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will re recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Imagine that angel of the Lord. Ah! And then a host, armies, host of angels around him. You're like, whoa, it just got even more epic. Like, ah, that's the shepherds. Goes on to say, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherd told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who, uh, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. What I love in this Christmas story is that there's some very unlikely individuals that are getting a message from the Lord on something very profound that's gonna change history. The thing about shepherds is they weren't necessarily the most trusted individuals. Scholars believe these specific shepherds were tending to the flocks of the sheep that would be given as sacrifice at the temple. So they're individuals that are very close to the dynamics of Jewish order, Jewish ritual, Jewish, Jewish tradition. And these individuals are out in the middle uh, of a field just outside of Bethlehem and an angel of the Lord shows up. Now I love this story because shepherds didn't have the best reputation. 
They struggled, one, one way to say it is, they struggled with the idea of what's mine and what's thine, which they struggled with stealing, right? Taking from other people. But the cool thing about the, the Christmas story is that the angel of the Lord would show up to the unlikely and share a message of hope to individuals that was gonna be good for everybody. And these are the very individuals that, man, people around could have said, who would ever trust shepherds? Why would you ever give them a message? But these people that lived as a mess turned out to be the messengers that would come into Bethlehem and share the hope of Jesus Christ. And the hope that you can find inside of this story is when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, God has always used the simple, the subtle. God has always used the unlikely to put his message on the inside of them and they become messengers to the world. It's the beautiful thing of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1 would say it this way. Instead, God chose, these, chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considered important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. What is it? The work, at, uh, work of God on the inside of us is always going to wow people around us. We just got to continue to be the messengers that say, hey, a Savior is born. And not only that, a Savior has changed my life and a Savior can change your life. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. The second hope I would find inside of this story would be based on uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, speaking of a little girl a young woman, if you want to call her that, uh, between the age of 12 and 14. I don't necessarily like saying the age, but that's it's what scholars believe. It says this in verse number 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel of Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God for every young woman in here. Let this be an anthem for your life. That every season of your life, especially in this generation, may you be found favored by God. A favored woman by God. A woman that he could even trust his son with that you could be different in your generation. You can walk in the righteousness of God when everybody else has fallen apart. Let you be found favored with the Lord just like Mary was. He's not gonna send it, don't, Jesus isn't coming back again in a baby bodily form. Come on, his second coming is coming in glory, amen? But just young women, take that to heart. God found Mary and was willing to do something in her and through her based on her position, how she was living. She found favor with God. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give uh, him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked this question to the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin, valid question. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to, who, to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. 
May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. A very interesting story. A woman in Nazareth, a very young woman, 12 to 14 years old, finds favor with the Lord. The angel shows up and says, I want, God wants to do something in you. God wants to do something through you. What I love about this story here is being a young girl, obviously she already knows the ramifications that are going to go down. The, the process in the Jewish law at this moment in time when it comes to marriage is how it work is. You start off on families agreeing to the price of the marriage. Amen. I got three daughters. Brother's going to get paid. Amen. Amen. Or two daughters. Did I say three? Good Lord. <laughs> Lord Jesus. The devil is a liar. Amen. And I got two of them, okay? And two shotguns. Amen. Um, <laughs> but the process, how it works, is the families would agree to the price. And then the, the families or the, the couple would come together and they would make a commitment through the betrothal process, usually a one-year time period between the commitment and the actual marriage. And here Mary is between the commitment and the actual marriage. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord says, God wants to do something in you. In this process of Mary sitting there knowing the ramifications, because here's the deal, Joseph had three decisions in the matter. The first decision he could make is, okay, this woman is pregnant. The Bible says the, the glory of the Lord overshadowed her, right? A cloud surrounded her. What is it? The Holy Spirit surrounded her and inception happened. Conception happened right there. She became pregnant. But Joseph had the choice on the other side of this to say, you know what? I can just break this engagement off and say I have nothing to do with you. She will be ostracized inside of society because she got pregnant out of wedlock, which is not okay in the Jewish tradition. The second thing was, is jo Joseph, well within inside of his rights in the Jewish law, he could have her stoned to death. But Joseph cho told, uh, chose the third option. The third option was, I'm going to marry this girl. I'm going to stand behind this girl. I'm going to believe what she is saying. And the cool thing was, is God showed up to Joseph too and said, hey, marry this girl. Amen. Right? You can imagine the challenges that are going on there. I'm like, what? You did What? say what how did this happen what right come on all the guys in the house you understand what's up you engage you be like okay right 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 so what's his name okay we're just gonna just get out there i won't lay my hands on him very much just a little just enough to pray for him and choke him out a little bit just a little bit right <laughs> so you, you you understand the tension that's going on there he chose the third option to choose, man, I'm going to stand behind you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to back you up. And I'm going to be with you to what? Face all the criticism that's coming that way. Everybody. He became complicit in it. Everybody in Nazareth. Oh, she was, we know Mary. She's that girl. Oh, we're not surprised. You know, Mary. <laughs> yeah, she a little, you know, we know what's up. You, you know it's going down inside of the city. Everybody is negatively looking at Mary. She got pregnant out of wedlock. We would never do that. So it's going down inside of the city. All the criticism, all the judgment. Come on, why do I know that that would be true? Because we're human right here, right? How many times have we judged and we criticized people that have done some stuff outside of our belief system right? And we're doing something a little different in our own lives, right? He who is without sin casts the 
first stone. I mean, that's the whole point of why Jesus said that story because everybody's got a judgmental, critical spirit. And in Nazareth, Mary is facing that tension. And Joseph's like, I'm not going anywhere. I am right here with you. Come on, for some of the married couples in the house, where's the spouses at to say, I ain't going anywhere. I don't care what life looks like right now. I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing right here behind you. Maybe this is the season for you inside of your life today. Maybe for you today, you're sitting in this room and you're walking in a story much like Mary's where God has spoken something to you. God is doing something in you, but nobody else understands what's going down in your life. Maybe you are walking in a season today upon a promise that God has given you, but the decisions you are making does not match up with people's expectations around your life. And here today you sit in a room shrouded in criticism, shrouded in judgment because nobody understands what God has spoken to you. Mary is living in the tension. The angel of the Lord has said this to me, but everybody else doesn't understand what God is doing in Mary. Let me just tell you today, Stand true to the promise that God has spoke inside of your life. Let me just tell you, yet live in righteousness. Don't get me wrong. Don't be like, well, I'm gonna do my thing however I wanna do it. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is what God has spoken in you and to you for what he's going to do through you. People won't always understand it, but you gotta stand firm just like Mary to say what God has spoken to me, he is destined to do through me. I just gotta make the decisions to keep on moving forward that the promises of God will be fulfilled inside of my life in Jesus' name. That's the hope we can have in the story of Mary in Jesus' name. Amen. The third thing I would say we can find hope in is the story of the placement of the birth. It says this in Luke chapter two, verse number one. At, the time, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for, their census, for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Late in pregnancy, she's carrying this baby. She's following along in the process. Bethlehem just happens to be 80 miles, or Bethlehem happens to be 80 miles south of Nazareth. I'm just gonna tell you today, pregnant women don't wanna drive 10 miles in a car, much like 80 miles on the backside of a donkey. I'm just gonna throw it out there right now, right? The pickle stands you would have to stop by and the convenience stores to buy them hot Cheetos is just unlimited, right? You're with me on it, right? The, 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 it's less than ideal circumstances in which Mary is carrying the baby. You find at this moment in time, Caesar Augustus over Rome, if you look into Antony and Cleopatra, all that's going on behind the scenes. Uh, uh, Caesar Augustus has conquered Antony and Cleopatra. He is now in charge of all of Rome. Go look at history. It's incredible the story that's going on in the backdrop of Jesus. But now this census is being taken. Everybody's got to go back to their ancestral towns. For one, let's count all the people. And for two, how much money are we going to be able to tax these people? How much money do we expect to come in? The 2020 census that we just took, what's the reason? The government wants to know how many people are here, how much can we expect taxes, amen, right? 
the reason for it. That's what's going on here. There's, there's a greater narrative going on, but God's threading his story through the history of man to change the history of the world. Jesus is being born. So in this time, there's all these people traveling into Nazareth. The looks, the smells, the sights, everything is different. There's so much stuff on the road. So people are traveling there. And by the time they get in there with a pregnant woman, there's no more space. There's no more place. So what happens? Well, the only place there is for them to go is into what would be considered a stable. And most houses at this moment in time would have some form of a stable to keep their livestock. So it's not uncommon to have a stable. It just would be uncommon to have a baby in the stable. Come on, all the pregnant women inside of here today, you're with me. The plan for you is not let's find the best farm and the best stable to have our babies. Come on. (laughs) That is not the reality. Every mother in here has a plan. I want to do this at this moment in time. Some people go crazy and like, I'm going to have a water birth, all that other stuff. I mean, that's crazy. Okay. That's wild. And if you could do that, God bless your soul. But, um, Normally, it's like the best hospital, normally, right? Normally, best hospital, best place, comfort, ease, right? We're bringing a baby into the world. This is going to be an amazing moment. All, everybody's got a plan, right? All moms got a plan. And here's the deal. We live life. We all make plans. We got the thing that we want to see happen, how we want to see it happen, how, how we think it's going to come together. We have our expectations on the way in which life should happen. But here's the deal. In the story of Jesus, the plan on what would be expected is a little different than maybe what the plan is. They get into a town and the most unlikely place that you expect the savior of the world to be born is in a stable? Really? Like, like the person that's going to change the world is born into a mess. Oh, wow. Isn't it interesting that he would be born into a mess? Because here's the deal. The hope inside of the story on Jesus be born into a stable, what you can consider by sight and smell a mess, is the very thing he came to deal with, man's mess. And it's not about the place. Let me just tell you, the hope in the story, it's not about the place. It is about the person in the place. It is about Jesus Christ that is at work in the place. It doesn't matter where you are at, the plan that you have set up, the expectations you have, and your placement right now inside of life. You may put your head up and look around and say, man, it looks nothing like I ever thought it was going to be. my, My placement in my career, my relationships, they don't look like I thought they were going to look like. Well, here's the hope of the message of Jesus Christ in his birth. It didn't look that way, didn't look good, didn't look great. The plan didn't come together, but here's the deal. It was the plan that God had. And today, the plan that God has for you is the place that you are in. Pick your head up, look around, embrace all of the mess, because here's the deal. It doesn't matter the place. It's the person that's at work on the inside of you. And if Jesus is at work and Jesus is working in your life, He is changing, transitioning, transforming your hope and your future is secure. You got a better day coming than the mess than you may be living in here now. The hope of the world was born into the mess to help people out of the mess and live lives destined for greatness. Come on, there's hope in the story of Jesus Christ being born into a mess in Jesus' name. Amen. The last story I would want to tell today, the fourth thing, the hope that I would want to pull out of this is probably something that we don't normally think about in the birth of Jesus Christ, but it's in the process. Every time at Christmas, I find, the, I find the interesting things, I guess being a pastor after so long, you read these stories and it's all the same, right? And I just wanna always 
find the unique things in the stories that can encourage and lift people up. And this is one of those stories that when I think about the Christmas story, much more than the, the virgin birth and everything around that stuff we just previously talked about, I think about a story like this. A story of a man, it says this in verse 25 of chapter 2 of Luke. It says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was, a righteous and de- he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What? That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have uh, prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he, uh, his glory, um, sorry, and his, he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Jesus being born, the process, there's a, a day, a, a time of circumcision where you would bring your child to the temple to be circumcised. You would go through another process 40 days into the journey for a boy, 80 years, uh, 80 days into the journey for a girl, the purification process. They're showing up to the temple at a very specific time. And here's a man named Simeon that's Holy Spirit's upon him. And the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's servant. I mean, I love that. You're not going to die until you see the Messiah of the world. I love that, right? There's something that the Holy Spirit spoke into his life that he knew upon him. like, this I mean, this is going to happen in my life. He knew it. And being led by the Holy Spirit, he finds himself at the exact time in the temple when Jesus would be presented for the purification offering that was necessary. I mean, it's a very specific place in time, but Simeon is there led by the Holy Spirit to this specific moment in time. You know, what's interesting inside of life is there is some things inside of our lives that God speaks into us. There's some things the Holy Spirit says, hey, this is going to happen inside of your life. There's things like that, that God speaks into us. And just like Simeon, he has this truth that he is living by. He, but the only way that it comes to fulfillment is being led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. How many times have God spoke something that we try to put our hands on it? Uh-huh. And God's like, get your hands off of it. Just be, let my spirit lead you into the right place. Because there was a lot of kids that were showing up at the temple that day. It was just one kid that was necessary to fulfill what the Lord spoke to Simeon. Let me just tell you today, the beautiful thing about this story is Simeon was waiting for the right moment, but the right moment came through his sensitivity of the Holy Spirit in his life, leading him to the right place. And maybe today, your sensitivity to the Spirit's leading in your life has led you right here to this moment. You thought, you thought maybe it was by your own design, your own volition that you showed up in here today, but the reality is God has been orchestrating a story far beyond your understanding and your level of uh, comprehension for you to be led by the Holy Spirit to be here today. And maybe today, this moment right here is the fulfillment of prayers that you've prayed for a really long time. Maybe for some of you guys today, this is the fulfillment of prayers that you've prayed over somebody else in this room today. And this is all God orchestrating, led by the Holy Spirit to a moment in time just like this. The Christmas story coming together. Narratives coming together. 
God's story of redemption coming together uniquely and specifically. Maybe this is a moment for you. You know, there's a gentleman inside of our church that this year, this moment, this, there was a moment for him where things changed and shifted. The Holy Spirit through his unique way leading him to the right place at the right time. His name is Isaac and he's a part of our church. He serves on our team and we want you to hear his story. Go ahead, check out the screen on Isaac's story. Well, ever since my, my first memories, I grew up in church, um, had two sisters, my mom and dad were in the home, small family, small town, small church. Uh, it was the next to Baptist church. I never had a connection. I knew the stories and listening and hearing the terms thrown out there like the Holy Spirit and never really understanding who or what that was. So I was never really connected on a personal level. I just knew I had to go to church. Looking back, I'm not sure if there was a turning point. I kind of related to just normal adolescence, right? Just growing up in a small town, knowing that there's probably no options after high school. There was nothing I was really living for. I was living, I was, you know, life was happening around me, but I never knew the purpose. I was in total isolation. It was always something inside of me that I didn't know who I was. So just living life day to day and taking risks. And went off to the military when I was 18 years old. There was a lot of times when I was overseas um, in the military, and just being overseas itself is a, a struggle. Being out there in third world countries, putting myself in situations where I shouldn't be. When I first started drinking, it was just more to be social. Just hanging out, trying to be cool, trying to fit in, just one thing led to another. And it was more of a routine now, it was part of my life where it wasn't just to be social, it was to hide something to push down the pain, to not feel anything. It's that numbness that you get from it. And you don't realize that when you're in it and when you're doing that, you only realize that if you become sober, I put myself in bad situations where even looking now, it's like, I'm just lucky to be alive. That's what life was. A small town, just work, go drink and just repeat and repeat and repeat. There was a lot of points in my life where I know I wanted to change, but I just didn't know how. Um, I read books, I watched videos, talked to other people, and it all left me empty inside. There was never a time that I turned to Jesus, even though I knew and grew up with him and knowing those stories, right? But I never had that connection of knowing what it truly meant to give your life to Jesus and know that he was there. So last year when I moved here, I knew I needed to find a church. I moved here first to be closer to my daughter. I would always drive my daughter back home to her mom's and I would have always seen Pearl Street sign on the highway. So I got dressed that morning with a nice suit. I came into church and I saw everybody outside, all smiles. I was afraid of walking in and being told that I was living the wrong life. I wasn't ready to accept that. So I went to church. It was a different type of worship that I was used to. It was moving, to say the least. It was a overwhelming sense of belonging there and understanding. It was new and it scared me. And looking back, there was many times that, and just through prayer and listening to the sermon and, and the service and just connecting and understanding that I wasn't the only one. I felt broken, but I wasn't broken. I fell to pieces, but there was somebody there that was going to pick me up and put me back together. 
walking into the season of Christmas right here and just hearing about the birth and it's that hope, right? It's realizing that no matter what we do, there's a, a hope out there for us that through that birth, it's a, a rebirth that we we get to experience. And just knowing that God sent his only son down here for us, he's there for us no matter what dark area that we're at. The birth to me just symbolizes a, a new beginning for, for me, right? And for my family, for my daughter, and knowing the impact that it could have on not just myself, but the generations to come. Because he was born, I no longer believe the lies. I know the truth. Uh, I'm not alone. I have a church family. My daughter has a church family. When I thought I knew myself, I did it. But now I know I am a child of God. Here's the deal. You know, Isaac, I remember him coming into the church, living in a world of darkness. Remember him sitting in here and I'm preaching and ah, yeah. And I just remember his eyes just being like, whoa, but he's taking notes. And I'm thinking like, man, this is definitely somebody that's never coming back to our church. <laughs> you know by now on the journey, you're like, people, you're like, uh, you know, it's a little too much, right? Um, and I was like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if he, if this is for him or what, but trying to, starting to hear his story. He, he was just living in complete darkness. And every time he would show up, man, God's just speaking and God's moving and he's just like blown away at what God is doing. And for him, you know, it was, little did he know that it was, it was a place, but it wasn't about the place, it was about the person in the place. Yeah. You know, today, you, you, you could be here. Maybe, maybe this season, you're, you're, you're walking into the Christmas season and much like the things that I've said today, it is shrouded in criticism and judgment. You feel the pressure of people's opinions around you. You're collapsing under the weight of people's expectation. Come on, is Jesus at work in your life? What Jesus is doing in you is far greater than the criticism that is around you. Come on, maybe you're not where you wanna be. Maybe, maybe, maybe this season doesn't look like you expected it. No, nothing about it does. Hey, Mary and Joseph were there too. You know, I love about the stories you find multiple times that it, it says Mary cherished the things that were happening in her heart and she thought about them often. Isn't that awesome? Because here's the beauty of it. In the middle of your mess, when Jesus is at work on the inside of your life, nobody will understand it. And here's the deal, who cares if they ever do? Because when God is moving on the inside of you and God is doing incredible things and miraculous things are happening around you, he's bringing things together, just see what God is doing and cherish those things in your heart and think about them often. Because it's not about the places of those broken spaces. It's all about the person that's at work on the inside of, inside of you in those places. I'll tell you, maybe today, this is the fulfillment, much like Simeon. It is the fulfillment of prayers you've prayed, things that God has spoken. And this season, you walked in wait, looking for a promise, looking for hope beyond the present circumstances. And you're sitting here today thinking, ah, oh, man, this is the moment. This is the, the thing 
that I felt God was doing on the inside of me, or this is the thing that I felt like God was leading me towards. Well, here's the deal. Just like Isaac, his name is Jesus. You won't get it in a book and you're not gonna get it from a counselor. But what you will get it, just like Nicodemus was trying to figure it out, how's this gonna happen? It's a spiritual rebirth. Not going back into your mother's womb, nor is Jesus. He is alive, he is well, and he's ready to do the work necessary on the inside of you to bring hope to maybe the darkness you're walking in here today. Bring hope to the journey you are on today. His name is Jesus. Unto us, a savior has been born. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. 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 So if you're here today, Come on, my prayer is that if you are walking in this, one of these scenarios, that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, John 1, light stepped into the darkness and the, dark, the, the, the darkness could not extinguish the light, amen? I pray the illumination of Jesus Christ can illuminate your life right now, but it comes through receiving him as Lord and Savior and giving him leadership over your life. That doesn't come with manipulation, that comes with full submission and commitment to God's will. So with every head wide up, up and every eye wide open, Jesus Christ is the Savior. Salvation brings hope and peace to your life. If you want to receive the hope of an eternal future and the peace to your present day life, Jesus Christ says, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. If you accept me, Lord and Savior, you shall be saved, as the Bible would tell us. It's in a name, Jesus Christ. There is no other name by which we are saved. It's Jesus Christ. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and illuminate your life, raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me today. I want an illuminated life. I want an illuminated future. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want his Lordship and his leadership in my life. Amen. Now, if you're here today, amen for everybody that's raised your, raised your hand for Jesus Christ. Your life will forever be changed. That's what all this is about. That's what all this is for. The preaching, the songs, the lights, the haze, the videos. It's all for this moment. That the same hope that was found in our lives, in Isaac's lives, is the same hope that you can find in yours. His name is Jesus. For all the believers inside of here, Joseph and Mary were amazed at all that was happening, being said about Jesus. They were amazed. They knew Jesus as their son, but they were amazed at everybody that was looking at Jesus as Savior, the Messiah. Here's the deal. Believers inside of the house, are you still amazed when the people in this house raise their hand to receive Jesus, much like you did maybe 5, 10, 50 years ago? Are you still amazed at people coming to know Jesus just like you did years ago? Come on, don't ever be too cute with your faith to get into the trenches and celebrate people that are coming to know Jesus just like you are, amen? Come on, if you wanna receive Jesus today, if you raise your hand to receive Jesus today, just say this prayer with me, say Jesus. We thank you for stepping into this broken world and give it as a hope beyond today. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Step into our lives and make us new today. Say, we believe you're the Savior. 
We know you're the Messiah. Thank you for the hope of a future. We commit our lives to you. You are our Lord and you are our leader. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, can we say amen inside of the house? Amen. Amen. Now I'll leave you with this. A prophecy spoken 700 years before Jesus showed up on the, the scene spoke of a savior being born, but it also prophesied on the, the, the existence of humanity, how we would operate, how life would, would exist. Are we, are we looking for a man to save us? No, no. Are we looking for a earthly government to save us? No, 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 no. We have a savior that operates in a different kingdom. Isaiah 9 verse 6 would say it this way, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. Come on, it's not in an earth that we're looking for. It's in an eternity that we're, ho we're hopeful for. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Come on, can we stand to our feet and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of